When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Football and Grits. I'm Andy Staples. David Ubbin is out. I host one or two other shows on this feed, so you may you may know me, you may not. Uh, Brody Miller joining me. How's it going, Brody? How was uh, how was your trip to the Plains? It was it was a classic LSU Auburn trip to the Plains. I mean, like I felt like the whole week leading in, everyone just talked about like, yeah, you can't really have a rational conversation about this game because it's just LSU Auburn nonsense happens, and it was full levels of just utter nonsense. So it was good, and you gave but me LSU's a great rib recommendation. So it was a good trip. Oh, oh, you hit K and J Rib Shack in Montgomery. I did. How was I- it? I, it's good that I didn't tell you how I had it because I didn't even know you'd be co-hosting with me today. But yeah, no, I was really, really satisfied with it. A really like succulent, but kind of firm, you know, more dense mm-hmm. rib. But the sauce was a little on the sweeter. I really liked it. I give it like a not 8.5 out of 10. That was one of those that I didn't know much about it. I was driving along through Alabama one day on a road trip and I was like, okay, is it, I've never had barbecue in Montgomery. Is there anywhere close? And uh, consulted Dr. Google and found that place. And the the thing that I fell in love with there, they they had turnip greens. And I, I realized it's a seasonal thing. Most places do collard greens. Uh, turnip greens, that particular part of Alabama, they grow a lot of them there. I, I know this because my, my grandparents lived in Selma. And so we'd go to their house and I would actually pick turnips in their garden and my grandmother would make turnip greens. So it was a, a, blast from the past for me getting to go there and 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 have those again because where i live you just don't get turnip greens anywhere um i'm kind of a panic order like i have this problem where like i get so antsy when i'm up to order and if i don't know it i'm just like ah and i just order something and i just so kind of like, order pig's feet no no but i basically like couldn't see any option other than full rack and i'm just like i get a uh, full oh. rack of ribs so i was just that, alone but that's not a panic order that's how you should order You're every probably, single time we eat okay andy just because you eat like a savage who can just down things and still be in great shape doesn't mean most of us can leftovers but, brody leftovers. You're right. no that's what happened i just brought it back to yeah. the hotel room and just crushed ribs for basically 48 hours no no issue there i'm, I'm a satisfied man but good recommendation man yeah so we got a lot to talk about this week because yes. this is a week we circled on the calendar yep. back in May. Yet, I think the game that we had circled back in May, we're probably not going to talk about for a little while because we're coming off a game between two SEC undefeateds where I think we felt like we knew something about one team, didn't know anything about the other. Ole Miss ends up beating Kentucky by three. Uh, and, and really, Ole Miss's defense was the star of this game. Just yep. getting after Will Levis, a strip sack at the very end to, to put it away. Because, I, I, I mean, Kentucky was going to win. They, they had the, yep. the touchdown call back. They were at least going to tie it and send this thing to overtime. They were in chip shot field goal range. And a huge defensive play keeps the Rebels undefeated. And it's like, this was, I've been circling this game forever because, 
listeners in the show know, I was so, not down, but so skeptical of this Ole Miss team, not just because they hadn't proven it, but because like it felt like a team designed to just beat up on you know, a great running game, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they're just going to, if they're better than you, they should win by four scores and just run that clock out. And I really thought Kentucky was just made to withhold that. And I, I came away just so impressed by Ole Miss in so many ways that they were able to run at will against that Brad White Kentucky defense, that they were able to, I don't know, I mean, just cause havoc on Kentucky's O-line. I know Kentucky's O-line, it's probably more about them, but still, I love a football game where you leave it kind of impressed with both teams and buying in on both teams because, like you said, Kentucky, I wouldn't say should have won it, but had the chances to win it. They seemed like they were making the winning plays in the fourth quarter, and Ole Miss kind of you know, got rid of a lot of my biggest questions with them. Well, that Ole Miss could run the ball on this defense, I think, is very impressive. Yeah. And I think if you look around the league – being able to run like that is, is, is going to be very valuable. I know Ole Miss doesn't play Georgia, but you saw Missouri gashing Georgia in the run game. Uh, it, it's possible to do that on a lot of these teams. You saw Alabama gashing Arkansas in the run game. Uh, it, it that's going to that's going to serve Ole Miss well this season. And I think if you look at the schedule, Ole Miss, I mean, we could be talking about eight and zero. Yeah, right. It's it's, it's on real. the table. It's very real, and it's like. The question we really have to ask ourselves with them is, I still, they are simultaneously have earned our respect, but I still probably came away from that game thinking, like, if Jackson Dart has to win you that game, I probably don't trust this passing game very much. He hasn't been very efficient all year. When there's pressure, just ha- I don't really trust him under pressure. He, he's kind of a, it's not like he's been bad or anything like that, but he has shown he's a little shaky. But to your point, if you can run these, get the ball and control these games, you don't have to rely on him. So I guess the question we have to ask ourselves, it's like, when will they need to ask him to do it, if at all, and before Bama? Because you should be able to run the ball at will against Vanderbilt. Auburn, I know it's just the hardest, like nothing's tangible or rational with yeah, Auburn. We, we don't but, know what Auburn's going to yeah. be when, when Auburn yeah. gets there. And, and, just, and that's, the, that's the question. And there are just no actual, like I'm using my brain conversations, any of us can have with Auburn. It's foolish. <laughs> right. And, 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 and at LSU, I think they're, prob- they're probably going to need it. I mean, you yeah, saw that's Mississippi gonna be State tricky. going to, into Tiger Stadium and, and get – I mean, they struggled offensively. So uh, this is – but we talked about this – Ari and I talked about this – when we were talking about Kansas yeah. after the games and what, what makes you think, okay, Kansas might actually be a good team is they can win games in a, in a variety of ways. And I, I actually, I have a column coming out on Oklahoma. That'll be out Ooh. by the time you, you listen to this podcast. And I've referenced Ole Miss in that, in that column, because, you know, Oklahoma took Ole Miss's athlete, uh, uh, offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, and is running the same offense. But, you look at what Lane Kiffin has been able to do with this offense and Charlie Weiss Jr. running it now. They won the way they needed to win yesterday. Yep. They won running the ball and and playing very good defense and playing opportunistic defense and getting after the quarterback. Oklahoma hadn't learned to do that at all. Their defense is, is a, a, a shambles. But Ole Miss can beat you at like I go back to that Arkansas Ole Miss game last year. I yeah, bet Arkansas and Ole Miss play a very similar game this year. I bet yeah. Ole Miss can win it that way, but they can also win a 22-19 game against a really good team. No, that's a really good point. I can't wait to read that column because it gets into something that I think we're in this weird crossroads at and like how we discuss college football because we've gotten smarter in so many ways and now so like we now 
overanalyze the data when I'm a data nerd. I'm the biggest guy, but it's like everything is per play efficiency. And like we judge teams by if like if you don't win by 49, 10, what's wrong and all that. And that's not telling me who's really good all the time. Like because I and I, that's why I love this take on your part, because it's like I learned more about tennis. I thought at Tennessee was this great offense with empty calories. I learned more about them by those two. Not ugly, but the pit win. That's what told me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm in. I think they can really yep. do this. So that's such a good point. Ole Miss felt like this just kind of transfer top heavy, no depth. They're just going to win these cupcake games. And it's like, no, they played the team that makes you play ugliest, maybe the most in the SEC and withheld it. And by the way, and obviously this is the obvious part, but found themselves there on their heels so often in the fourth quarter and just made plays. So like that's credit where it's due. And it's not just like who looks pretty when they're whooping on weaker teams. Well, so Ole Miss plays Vanderbilt this week. They're going to Nashville. You know, Vanderbilt started the season probably better than we thought they might, but yeah, now they've sort of settled in to, to Vanderbilting. And yeah. I, I don't think Ole Miss should have a problem here, but nine and oh, actually nine and oh pre Alabama seems possible. Yes. What are the uh, what are it, what are the odds we put on that? Was that is it is it ooh. 40 60 is it is it 30 70 is it 50 50? 40 60 sounds about right cuz you're favored in all those games, right? Like mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say you're favored, but like LSU and A&M are very in a box games. Like those are going to yeah. be ugly, two good defenses. They are going to they're going to be the ones that make you figure out if Jackson Dark can beat you and and that's probably like the first test of like I say they don't just because it's the SEC and it's like three yeah. of those games in a row. It's just and going into Bama where you're going to be getting – well, you have a bye before Bama, so I actually completely rescind that comment. But still, <laughs> I say they don't, but still, yeah, I think I put it at 40%, which is really amazing odds for a team so, that like I was yeah. hyping the under 7.5 before the year. Yeah, I, I just don't think we know. <laughs> I, I think Ole Miss is a test case for building a team this way in the new era of college football. Yeah. And – you know, we're going to see if this is sustainable, but so far Lane Kiffin seems to be doing a pretty job, good job of it. Let, let's talk about now the, the game that we thought was going to be the game. This is, but we're going to be talking about it for reasons that have nothing to do with why we thought it was going to be that interesting. So you had Jimbo, you had Nick going at each other in May and you thought October 8th, Pro this wrestling, is going to be the, the ultimate showdown. God. You know, they've been in the same room since in, in Destin. They seem to be okay. They're actually like Nick Saban's cracking jokes about Jimbo Fisher, not with, not him as the butt of the joke, but involving Jimbo Fisher in his press conference after the, the Arkansas game. We're talking about this game because of Bryce Young, because Bryce Young's hurt. He missed the end of the, you know, missed two and a half quarters of the Arkansas game. Jalen Milrow came in for him. Uh, it's an AC joint injury on his throwing shoulder. Nick Saban has said it doesn't seem that serious. It's something that they feel like they'll work day to day and and, then see what happens with him. But it's the Heisman Trophy winner. And, I mean, you think about this, Brody. If Jalen Milrow had had to come in against Texas in that situation, does Alabama win that game? No, they don't. That's pretty fair, right? I mean, the only scenario where I could say maybe is that Bama was kind of getting beat in the trenches in that game. So it's like maybe just his big physicality and running ability. But no, like Bryce, they won that game because Bryce Young just shook off tackles and made stuff happen. And by the way, A&M game's not going to be that different, right? It's a lot of, like, A&M's probably going to beat them on the line of scrimmage. So what do you do without Bryce? I don't, uh, well, 
That I don't know about that. Maybe A and M's D. Maybe A and M's D line will get some pressure, but the thing about Jalen Milrow, if he's playing, you have to respect him as yeah. a runner. So that's going to change the the math on that. But if it's Bryce Young, I worry less about Bryce Young under pressure from A and M. I know I know they got to him quite a bit last year, but I do feel like at home, older, wiser Bryce Young can float around and make some stuff happen. And also, oh, Alabama's not going to be under that much pressure to score unless, whether it's, I don't, we'll, we'll see with what's going on with Max Johnson's hand, whether it's him or Haynes King. But unless somebody has a Zach Calzada out of their mind once in a lifetime game, like last year, I don't see A&M scoring that much. I mean, that, that's a frustrating offense to watch. No, and like, tell me if this is like an overly simplistic, ignorant comment, but like, no, I don't think this Alabama defense is great. I don't think they're like elite. They're good. They're very good, right? But like, I trust them in games like this where it's, you know, Jimbo's offense is very limited right now. There's not explosiveness. There's not really guys that are just scaring the crap out of you. I trust Alabama to be able to make them play left-handed or make them just kind of play within themselves and you're going to be able to control that and even if that offense is it's funny it's funny that you say that because i actually had a note that i made while max johnson was still healthy does jimbo know max is (laughs) left-handed wait why Why? like was he designing did you notice he was like setting stuff up it felt like the offense was still playing right-handed i mean god aren't there like a lot of nfl teams like quietly that actually genuinely view drafting quarterbacks as like I don't want a left-handed quarterback because it changes the whole angles. It it does change stuff, and and the ball like receivers will tell you the ball spins differently. Yeah, and it, yeah. So yes, but that said, they you did go be get better. the guy in the portal. You maybe yeah. should have had plans for that. Yeah, they but they they gotta be better. I I just yeah. don't I don't understand how in year five you can be this stuck in the mud. And and you have one legit playmaker right now in Devon A. Chain. And this is the kind of defense that neutralizes a guy like that. You know, he's gonna he's gonna get his against lesser teams, yeah. but even though they know he's gonna get the ball a ton, but they've got to develop some, whether it's it's Evan Stewart or you know, one of the tight ends, or or somebody has to emerge. And the fact that they are relying on Evan Stewart to be their wide receiver one in year five under this head coach. It's not fair to Evan Stewart. And it's just, how does that happen? How do you not have receivers waiting in the wings, ready to take over? And I guess my question for you is like, how do you, well, first off, yeah, the receiver development under Jimbo is an entirely different discussion. That's bizarre. Like what Kelvin Benjamin's like his only real Rashad Green was that dude. I love Rashad Green. I know he didn't do much in the NFL, but he was awesome at Florida State. But yes, but yes, it's not it's it's not a it's not a very prestigious list. I'm going to ask you this because as much as I've I've always followed football, I mean, you've covered it for the much the the entirety of the Jimbo era as as an offensive coach. I mean. Was he outdated? Did it? It never felt outdated in like 2012, even though it's pretty much similar offenses. 04, right? 03. But it's just I'm trying to figure out this this thing of everyone in football is modernized, and he is a smart guy. Anyone who doesn't think Jimbo's smart is an idiot. I mean, he's a very bright guy. What is the disconnect of like? Is it the thing where smart people just always believe they're the smartest guy in the room, and they don't, or is he just not seeing it, or does he just think this works? I don't know. I. 
I, I'm guessing it's it's stubbornness. It's thinking that yeah. this has worked before. I can make this work again. And they have made changes. You know, this this isn't okay. the Florida State Jameis Winston offense. I mean, there's mm-hmm. read option stuff in here that the Florida State Jameis Winston. You didn't do anything that had a designed run in it with Jameis Winston. That that guy was not built for that. But they definitely don't have not moved ahead as much as other programs have. They have not evolved as much. And I don't really understand why. Because when it didn't work year one, year two, year now year three, it kind of worked. Yeah. So maybe maybe that was really it. Maybe yeah. the, the Kellen Mon team, his but fourth year. But even then it felt starter. strained, right? Like nothing was yeah. easy. It was still like right. you need Mon to hit that tight throw. I don't know. There's yeah. just not that it's like right. offense now is about like the the ease of play stuff, the stuff where mm-hmm. it's like that screen's getting you eight and you just don't have that. Right. How does Sonny Dykes get to TCU? Yeah. And and Great. Garrett Riley get to TCU. And suddenly their offense is just incredible. Humming. Yeah. It looked like it was in mud under Gary Patterson and and yeah. and before he got fired. And now it looks incredible. So yes, it's possible to do that. It's just you got you got to be willing to do it. And going back to Lane Kiffin, remember yeah. when Lane Kiffin got hired at Alabama, Nick Saban sends him on this vision quest. Goes, go look at all these offenses. Go, go gather as much information as you can. Decide what you like. And we will incorporate those things in our offense. Al- Alabama smartly did not scrap what it was doing. That's all still in there. So they can be that team if they need to be. Yes. But they can also be all these other things if they need to be. Interestingly enough... The thing Lane Kiffin liked the most was the thing that felt a little too extreme, I think, for Nick Saban, Ooh, and that's the, the Baylor offense, which is what he runs now. Yes. And, and you want to know why he liked it so much? Why? Huge chunks of yards on the ground. Yep. After you complete a pass, you get up to the line of scrimmage, you get a light box, you hand off if you've got a good back, and oh, by the way, Ole Miss has two yes, great good. backs. You're, so that's how you gain seven yards of a carry. Yep. No, it's a great point. And like, I guess the honest answer through all of this, sometimes it's just as simple as probably he always got away with it until now. Like he's still one. He never had like a problem year. And maybe this is just it. 20, yeah, what? 2017. But then you can be like, oh, he had one foot out the door. And that's why Florida and State wasn't that when that Francois went out, went out game one. Francois so it's got like, hurt James Black. But that's also had, his fault. That's absolutely that's also oh. quarterback recruiting development. Yeah. And they had to I am not removing blame. Yeah. 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 But just like so, even that you can be like, well, here's what went wrong. It's not really like he never has probably been forced to be like, I need to do this self eval. And and this yeah. is it. Like it is the discussion now. It is the the topic. Yeah. And, and, and he's just I wanna, smart coach. I want to put this out there into the world because the, I know the AM fans are talking about this. I've, I've talked to some friends that that, that follow AM and and they they're like, oh, is Jimbo ever going to hire a play caller? No. Yeah. He's, so he's not, not. going okay. to hire a play caller. Now he may hire another offensive coordinator. He he to may replace actually Dar- bring in ideas. Yeah, right. He may replace Daryl Dickey with someone who has a little bit different view on things that that will bring different ideas. But I I don't think he's ever going to give up play calling. And and honestly, I don't think he should because you saw that situation with Gus Malzahn at Auburn where he got talked out of calling plays or badgered into not calling plays. I, yeah. However, you want to describe the dynamics of the situation. He should have never stopped doing the thing that made him special. Yeah. It killed his mojo. Everything was was wrong after that. If yeah. If you're not being who you, you are, you're not going to succeed. Yeah, you hired Jimbo Fisher to call plays. Like that's part of what you hired him for. So that's not like 
wishing for him to not do the thing you hired him to do. Look, you got 85 million bucks you owe him. Let him do the thing he does, but hope that he's willing to be more more open to ideas and maybe loosen things up. I, I just it feels tight and robotic. And uh, I've I said this on on my show a bunch of times. Aaron Murray, the former Georgia quarterback, yeah. told me this, and I can never unsee it now when I'm watching Texas A&M play, is where the quarterbacks hold the ball as they're moving around the pocket. They keep it cocked Ooh. by their ear, okay. and that there's and, and both hands on it, and I understand why. It's a secure ball security issue. It's a ready to throw, readiness to throw release time issue. Yeah. That said, you don't see Bryce Young doing that. No. Nope. You don't see DJ Uyunglele doing that. You don't see... CJ Stroud doing that. You don't see Caleb Williams doing that. Huh. All of these really good quarterbacks don't do that. There's probably a reason why they don't. Do you think it makes them now play robotic because they're set up like that? Because you're thinking about it all the time. Yeah. Because you're not moving naturally. There's no freedom and, of motion. Yeah, there's no natural. Yeah. And you notice with Haynes King, when he gets chased and has to run for his life and then make a throw, those are usually yeah. his prettiest throws. Arkansas game, man. The only, like the best offensive moments they had were Max Johnson was just kind of like do, making some weird stuff happen. It was never it in the flow of the play, like mm-hmm. actual design thing. So I'm with you. And maybe because the comp it, is So like, much oh, has to go right That's the thing. in that offense. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, four things have to go right to make the play. Work. Yeah, yeah, and and it really, it, I mean, Jameis Winston averaged like thirteen yards a, a, an attempt in two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Like, you you have to go back and look at that quarterback playing behind that offensive line with those receivers. They, you're not going to get that situation very often. And maybe like the actual comp you're looking for here is, and this might be me just being close to it, covering LSU mainly, but like. LSU always loved Steve Enzbinger as a play caller. They thought this guy in a game setting can call plays with the best of them. He just wasn't caught up on scheme. And you bring in Joe Brady, and I know we're not going to litigate the who really called plays thing, but Steve Enzbinger called a lot of those plays. But him and Brady had this amazing marriage of ideas and modernizing. And once you put that modern offense in front of Enzbinger, he called a great game. So it's like that might be what he needs. It's just not that. But it's also easier said than done to just be like, let's let's get ideas. Exactly. Speaking of LSU, we need to talk about the team you cover because they got a big one, big one in Baton Rouge. I know they're really mad. It's 11 a.m. local kickoff. That's kind of brutal. Actually, mad. Yeah. Tennessee coming in now. Tennessee is on a high. They beat Florida. The worst thing that could have happened to LSU is Tennessee having that open week after beating Florida. That would have been a perfect game to catch them. Perfect. (laughs) But I don't think that's necessarily going to happen now. I think they're going to have to beat them straight up. This offense at Tennessee is a joy to watch. <laughs> Hendon Hooker is, uh, well, uh, those who listen to my show know how I feel about yep. Hendon Hooker. Uh, recurring guest on, on the show. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, he just, he seems to be even more in control and in command. And, and the fact that they were able to do what they did without Cedric Tillman against Florida is, is pretty incredible. Now, I, I think LSU will challenge Hendon Hooker more yep. than Florida did. LSU will get after him. You saw them get after Will Rogers. Uh, you, you saw him get after Robbie Ashford last night a little bit, but, it, but not as probably not as much as they'd wanted to. No, that's going to be the beautiful focus, right? It's like this LSU defense is nine – like ninety percent of it is actually really, really, really good. Like so much of it, even if you look at the Florida State game that they lost, 
Like on a play-by-play basis, they were fantastic. They put him in third and long all the time, controlled the run game completely. You know, receiver like receivers weren't winning one-on-ones. But what happened would be they'd get him in third and long. They'd have a nice pass rush, and they couldn't contain Jordan Travis. And then, obviously, he makes the big play. And that's the same thing that happened with Auburn, by the way. Defense played fine overall. And then when Ashford would get out, you'd see, like, the safety creep up because he thinks he's getting them. And then there's a huge coverage bust. And Hendon Hooker's the guy I'm most scared of doing that. Not that he's, like, this holy crap scramble around guy. He's very good at scrambling. But he, like you said, command is the thing with him, man. If if you draw one extra guy off, he's going to dice it. And that's the question. Because, yeah, I think LSU's D-line gets after him well. I think they shut down the run decently well to make them play those third and longs. But if you make those mistakes on third down or whatever, he is going to destroy you. So we saw Jaden Daniels out at the end of that game. We saw yeah. Garrett Nussmeyer in. What do we think happens between now and and kickoff as far as LSU's quarterback situation. Yeah, I believe Jane Daniels will still be the guy. I mean, all indications were that he could have come back in. Brian Kelly did say that, and it was kind of just like, you're a mobile quarterback and we have a lead. Why would we like rush that right now? Like You're losing yeah. what you have. Uh, so, Auburn's offense didn't scare you enough that you, yeah. you felt like you're going to have to match them score for score, so that makes it, sense. Exactly, and I think Kelly's kind of like a very like robotic thinker of like, it, like in his head, he's probably calculating like 89% Daniels well, is not is one percentage point less than Nussmeyer right now. So yeah, I think he just viewed it literally that way. He should be good to go, but you need him to also be playing free in this game because chances are tempo is going to be faster in this game, more possessions in this game with what Tennessee might be able to do. And it's like you need Daniels to play second half Mississippi State game, Daniels first second mm-hmm. half Florida State Daniels, where when they're tempo, when he's just in rhythm, he's awesome, and when he has that freedom to just take off, when it's I'm playing, I keep saying in a box, but when he's playing in a box, Daniels, and he's thinking too much, it's a really bad offense. So I think, yeah, that's, they need him to be free. I think Tennessee's defense will make it look like a better offense. You saw that with Florida where I'm torn. That that was a much more functional offense than you, than you'd seen them look like against Kentucky and against USF for that matter. But, and and that's what Tennessee's got to guard against because like that Florida game should have been well in hand. Yep. And suddenly Florida's got an onside kick and and like a pre, you know a puncher's yep. chance. Like you can't do that at LSU. Like no. if you get up on them, you've got to put them away. And so we'll we'll see if Tennessee can do that. Uh Mississippi State and Arkansas, I want to talk about that a little bit because I always said, what is Mississippi State's offense gonna look like if you get some yak yards? You saw it. You saw it, man. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Against one of the better, and guess what? A&M's defense is better than Arkansas's, man. And it's just like, wait, I just lost my train of thought for a second. Yeah, but Arkansas's not, sorry, I know where I am now. Arkansas's not going to be able to get after Will Rogers. Will Rogers is a really good quarterback when he has a comfortable pocket. He's he's just, it's when LSU got after him that you're like, all right, you see the limitations and whatnot. Arkansas's not going to be able to do that. And Arkansas's secondary is just not exactly very strong right now so yeah your point mississippi state receivers that are really deep they don't have like that one holy crap guy but they got a bunch that can play and like you said if you're if they're able to do that and really get those you know yak yards create things they could win this i like arkansas i think they're really good arkansas arkansas has a little more limited offense as well but not like a&m's arkansas knows what it is like they're gonna get yards with KJ Jefferson on the ground. They're going to give the ball to Rocket Sanders and that is going to scare you enough to put an extra guy in the box and yep. give them some one-on-ones on the outside. So I think this will be a I think this will be a fairly high-scoring game. 
I really, truly think so. And it's like, yeah, Arkansas could dictate, but once they're behind, it's like you you worry about them. It's like I'm in the zone of I think Arkansas is genuinely good, but just college football is so much matchup based. I think Mississippi State probably handles this one really well just because it is a really good matchup for them. It's like it opens up the things you worry about offensively, and it, and they're probably pretty well designed to kind of put that extra guy in the box and trust their DBs, I would think. You know, mm-hmm. you got you got Emmanuel Forbes. You got some good DBs. So, like, I dare you, KJ Jefferson, go beat me in the air. So, like, I can't wait for this game. I don't know about you. Mississippi State is the team that every single week they are the – Fourth best game in the conference, but the one that like nerds just can't wait for because it's like two actually even teams playing a really good game. So Mississippi State's the nerds team, man. Uh, they certainly in a good are, way. Which, which you wouldn't expect. But I, I guess with Leach, he's got a law degree from Pepperdine. Zach Arnett runs yeah. a kind of funky defense. So that, that, yeah. that actually tracks very well. One more I wanted to talk about. Missouri at Florida. Missouri... Uh, Ended the Dan Mullen era at Florida last year. Yes, they did. The Tigers now coming off two games. One, they definitely should have won. They should have won at Auburn. Yep. You could argue that they should have won at Georgia or or should have beaten Georgia. But I I don't know. I mean, I felt like Georgia, if they hung around long enough, the talent was going to, to overwhelm eventually. That's what happened. That's what happened. But Missouri played its ass off, and they were gashing Georgia in the in the run game. You know, I I feel like they should be able to play a pretty competitive game against Florida in what I would imagine will be a fairly sleepy swamp at at with the, the noon Eastern kickoff. Yeah, and just kind of this weird place Florida's at right now of like we're kind of good, but you have two losses, and like it's probably not going to bring people out for Anthony any Richardson went out briefly with a with an ankle deal, and yeah. they had to bring in uh, Jalen Kitna during the Eastern Washington game on Sunday. So, but he's he, Richardson was was okay, but yeah, th- this seems like a weird spot. Both teams desperately craving an SEC win. I I feel like Missouri maybe spent though. That's the one thing I, I was I just going to say. Missouri. Yeah, yeah. It's like those are two, one, just physical games, two, just draining emotionally games. And like a little bit of they were, I mean, at least against Georgia, man, Drinkwitz was pulling cards out, man. Like he was finding some, he always has creative stuff. He's a great play caller, but he was pulling some stuff out to get offense there. And it's like, did you give, not give away, but did you kind of use a lot? So, yeah, I just feel like in Florida, I know that. You have to respect Eastern Washington. They're a tough team, but like they're also coming in a little fresh after a tough opening, and it's like just seems like it's set up well for Florida. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And then of course you've got Auburn, Georgia. It feels like when Auburn goes to Athens, just terrible things happen to the Tigers. And this is when everybody's been circling is this this will be the one that'll get Harson. But I want to talk about Georgia because okay. Once is coincidence, twice or once this happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times in any action, right? Yeah. So Kent State was your happenstance. Yeah. Missouri's your coincidence. This can't happen again. Otherwise, I'm gonna start wondering about Tennessee or Kentucky. Yeah. And and if can if they can win the East. Like Georgia has all the pieces, but the last two weeks have, have shaken my confidence in the Bulldogs as a as a dominant national title contender type team. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And, I, and you obviously had a really good discussion with Ari with us on your show um, Saturday night. But like I, the thing I want to chip in is just first off, the, as much as you're saying the committee 
doesn't really give you credit for sleepwalking. Doesn't the committee also show you that they really judge you by how you play on big games when you're on? Like, yes. I feel like there's a lot of history that shows that. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't normally be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you a pass. But being a defending champ is a different thing. It is hard to be a defending champ. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm not saying a pass, but maybe it makes more sense. And when I look at that Missouri game, it's not like I looked at that game and thought, like, Missouri's winning in all these ways. I felt like Georgia just made a lot of silly... Georgia was shooting two, itself in the foot, just like it two did against Two ugly Kent fumbles. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, And by the way, that's a problem. I'm not yada yadding that, but also like... Yeah. I, st- I think they might lose a game this year. Totally. Just if you, this is how you are, Tennessee might be you, but you might be on against them. But you might lose a game. But I'm still not wavering my faith of Georgia and the SEC title. I'm not saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. still think that team is the top three team in the country. But what we're really getting at is, the, sorry to me, but, like, the point we're really getting at now is, like, I know there's just no team I think is a juggernaut. Before the year, thought Bama was the juggernaut. No, they're they're normal. They're really good. I know David likes the David's down on Bama. I'm like pumped. I'm not. I'm not down. Yeah, I'm not down yeah. on Bama. I just are they going to beat not. everybody by a hundred? No, they're not. And yeah. and Georgia's not either. Exactly. And yeah. Now I think there's three really really good teams. Yeah. And they're all, yeah. Just like we said with with Missouri, though, I do wonder if Auburn spent because God, yeah. they they were they had to pull a rabbit out to beat Missouri. They were in it, so I mean, they were winning by two touchdowns against LSU. I, I I forgot to mention this. I do want to point out: twice this season, LSU has come back and won after starting out down two touchdowns. That's pretty impressive. But Auburn, I mean, because you got to think they only got so much in the tank. They know what's going on. The players aren't dumb. They hear everything that, that we say. They they know that eventually the Harson thing is going to come to an end. This is the date everybody had circled. I don't know if that's the case or not. I don't know that it matters, but I do see Wisconsin firing Paul Christ and going, okay, it does seem like everybody wants to get in the queue pretty early. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it makes sense. And first off, I'm with you that they're spent. Like LSU is not a team that can just go out there and just, they're not efficient enough, all those things to just take care of business. And like, they're messy, so you can hang in there. Georgia is like, even if they're sleepwalking, they are talented enough to just be like, we are just going to out-talent you a little bit. And I obviously, we don't think that simply on the show. But a little bit of like Auburn spent, Georgia's mad, and they might just run the ball at will and win 39-10, and it's really boring. So I think it's, I think Auburn boosters are probably like hoping they finally get an ugly enough win to be like, all right, it's time, because they keep unfortunately being competitive. I don't know if they really think like that. This, but. Is, this is not a situation they've been, in, been competitive in any time recently. So... No. That's it just it, this has been a house of horrors for them. So I, I would imagine and and look, at some point George is gonna respond, right? I I'm sure Kirby's well, Kirby gets hoarse anyway, even yeah, when winning. You would think. Can, can you imagine his voice now? <laughs> he ain't singing this weekend. Yeah, like I just assume they go out and just absolutely manhandle them. My question on the timing thing is, and I, I'm this is just popping in my head, so I might just be completely wrong. Are there any teams that right so far that they need to race with that they're going for the same guys as them? Not that I'm saying that would be why you don't oh, Auburn. Get, no, I, I don't think yeah, so. Wisconsin, Nebraska, Arizona State, it's none of the same. I'm not saying that doesn't mean you still should well, like Wisconsin. Get a jump. I think Wisconsin did this now, not so much to get in the queue, but to give Jim Leonard a, a, yeah. a, a decent amount of runway 
because they want him to get the job. They want they yeah. want to give him every chance to just say, "This is my job. I, I'm going to take this over. I'm a Wisconsin guy. Let's do this." Now you got Lance Leipold sitting out there, who's a Wisconsin Whitewater grad. Like, yeah, I, I get that, and I get but, that the, the 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 sweepstakes for Lance Leipold is going to be pretty pretty incredible. But Jim I'm not Leonard's sure, a dude, man. Yeah, like, yeah, give him your chance. Yeah, and, yeah. So, I'm actually just really happy because I get to hear this. We're recording this before your Nebraska uh, recording with Ari is going to go up. So I get to hear it for the rest of the world. Your thoughts on what this Wisconsin hiring means. No one else, no one else listening to this cares, but yeah. Well, Hey, listen, if you listen to, to my show, we had a whole Wisconsin based episode where we only, and talked it's a about great che- episode. We only talked about cheese curds for a little while. We talked about the situation at Wisconsin as this, as if it were imminent, even though we weren't quite sure if it was, but it, it turned yeah. out it really was. So that that will be interesting. But yes, the Auburn timing piece of it, I don't know that the candidate pools are similar at all with the other openings that, that are going on around. I mean, Georgia Tech, maybe, but that those feel like very different jobs. So I, I think, but I do think in general, this may be the new normal. This just may yeah. be. Nobody's going to wait until the end of the season. Some somebody will wait until the end of the season because that'll be when they finally get pissed off enough. But if if you've decided, you know what, I'm done with this, and you just do it. Yeah. So I know we're going to wrap up shortly, but I had a really great discussion with Justin Ferguson on his on our old colleague uh, on his mm-hmm. Great Auburn Observer podcast about like the Auburn hire is going to be so fascinating. From what I've gathered, there's already basically two separate camps of two very opposite lines of thinking of just like, and I I don't think either's wrong, which is what makes it such a beautiful discussion of like, do you want the lane Dion, which is give you a jump of juice, give you, make you a program that can just punch it, Saban, even if you're not like sustainable, or do you want a stoops or a, you know, someone in that realm and some people I've heard want a random, I'm not saying that's realistic, but a builder. I don't 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 think stoops, See, I think people look at Stoops as like a as similar to Harson in terms of see that at all. Yeah, grab and you know grab the three star guys and no, Kentucky goes after all the guys. Yeah, and as they've gotten better, they've gotten more of them. Like you put Vince Merrow at Auburn. Auburn going to get some dudes happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, like people are like, oh, he only recruits Ohio. And it's like, that's because that made sense in that situation. It makes sense geographically. It doesn't mean he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't now, mean. The question like, you have to ask with Mark Stoops is, is it, is that a better job? And, you know, two, three years ago, I'm like, well, of course it is. And now it's just yeah. like, is it? I feel like it's so much of, I mean, yeah, I would agree with you. Like you add the the context that we've litigated so much of just like, Auburn's mess of a alignment. We've been over that a million times, but also just like, but you have to ask yourself if Stoops were to leave, it seems like he'd be leaving because he's just like, I finally want to see if I can win a title. Right. Auburn, right. you can't. So it falls in that very short group. And it's like, how often one do those jobs open? Right. When, two, when, when is an Ohio state or a Michigan or yeah. one of those going to come up? And more importantly, they're, they don't look at Mark Stoops wrongly mad. Like it's not correct. I'm the, yeah. I think Mark Stoops is a top seven, whatever coach. They right. should. Oh, the Iowa but people are saying, don't. well, if, if, if Kirk retires, we'll go get Stoops. No, no I way. I mean, maybe, maybe feelings for his alma mater might have something to do with it. But yeah. Kentucky's a better job. Absolutely. 
It's it's this unfortunate place he's in of like he's not getting an Ohio State. It's just the honest answer, even though that's wrong. Or and I think well, I mean it's Ryan, like, Ryan Day's not going anywhere unless he and Greg Schiano get in some back alley fight. And those big <laughs> six jobs yeah. aren't calling him, even though that's silly. So it's like maybe, and I'm not even pushing for it because it's like I want him to stay at Kentucky. I think it's better for the sport, but maybe he's just like this is my chance to go win a title. But also I, maybe the it, boosters are just like let's go get Lane. <laughs> listen. Lane could do it there. I mean, I think you have to have somebody who's going to go head to head with Nick Saban and, and and Kirby and Dabo for recruits. That is all there is to it. That is the only way because you have to play Alabama and Georgia every year and you are measured against them. You have to try to get players that they want. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not even trying. And that is that's my been my issue with with Brian Harson. And you know, it you can I hate what they did to him and the way they did it. Yeah. But I understand why they why they were so mad. You know, they looked at that out. recruiting class and they're like, what were you doing for a year? Why did you just waste a year? Just different views of thinking, I guess, on college football. Yeah. And I love the idea of Lane because it's like he is going to go toe-to-toe for those guys. And he gives you that like puncher ability to just kind of like when you're less talented, I'm going to figure out a way to make it close. Well, so the, like, the other checks both. Yeah. The other tricky part with Auburn where Lane comes in, and I know the Ole Miss people hate this all over and over again, and I'm sorry because yeah. it's, it's going to keep coming up, but Auburn is going to need someone who can work that portal magic because yes, great point. They're going to have to flip the roster. They're, they're going to have to, to get better fast because that is the expectation these days. So Lane, obviously, he's the king of the portal, though we just mentioned Mark Stoops. And again, I, I'm i not sure Mark Stoops would take Auburn exactly. from Kentucky, but they've done very well out of the portal themselves at Kentucky. So I, I just think that's a piece of the, that puzzle that needs to be considered is it, could this person get in the portal and flip this situation quickly? And that's that's going to be critically important with that job. And We'll we'll see what happens. I mean, it, yep. they have fought like hell the last two weeks, and and I admire that Auburn's players are are not quitting. They're they're not. Everybody else has given up on them. They're not giving up on themselves. There's a good chance they run into a wall this week, mostly because Kirby won't stop yelling at everybody after two <laughs> lackluster efforts by Georgia. So we will see what happens. But it's been a blast. Listen to Power Hour on yep. Tuesday. Stars Matter with Ari and Mitch on Wednesdays. And I got a show every once in a while too. So we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>